So uh, great to be here this morning. Uh, we're continuing in our series. This is on the prodigal son. I hope you guys have enjoyed this series. We're kind of winding things down the next two weeks. will be the last two weeks uh, in this. Um, have a question for you. How many of you guys have ever received a gift in your life that uh, meant something to you? It was so unexpected. It was so kind of um, thoughtful, so meaningful that every time you look at it, every time you encounter it, you think of that person. Do you know what I mean? In fact, they might as well have signed it. They might as well, it might as well be just a portrait of them handing you this thing in that moment because it's like every time you see that thing, it's like you're transported back to that moment and you're just, you're overwhelmed with the gratitude, with just the, the, the sense of just um, kind of just being wrapped in just that moment and that compassion. Um, because gifts have a way of doing that. For the past several weeks, we've been looking at this story, a story that Jesus told about this, this young man who had gone up to his father. He had demanded, demanded that he get you know, his inheritance, and he had demanded of his father that he, he give him that because he wanted to, to go away. He, he felt like if he could just get out from what he considered that kind of that weight, that oppression of his father's oversight and authority, that he could make a better life for himself. So he went out, and if you think about it, you know, that's the way that we do things, right? When we go to God, and sometimes we think, God, if I could just get out from under your thumb, I'd be so much better off. We take off with all that we can gather, and we take off when we do that. Well, it didn't work out for him, Usually it doesn't work out for us when we try that. And so he found himself coming back. And he came back home, and this time he's penniless, he's shoeless, he is, he is humiliated, he's starving. And he comes in and he's expecting the worst. He's expecting his father to just berate him. He's expecting everyone to berate him, just like we usually do when we come back to God, right? We expect the worst, but instead his father extends grace. We talked about that a couple of weeks ago. He extended grace. He, he opened up his arms wide. He opened up his home. He, re, he reestablished, he re kind of um, replaced, he restored this son to the name that he had so despised, to the house that he had so just, he just disparaged on his way out, to that life that he had abandoned. And he restores him to it just like God does for us in grace. But what I want us to think about this morning, think about what that meant for the son from that day on. Every day when he would wake up and he'd put shoes on his feet, shoes that he remembered that day that he came home and he didn't have even any shoes for his feet. Every day he puts shoes on his feet, he's thrown back into that moment because even the shoes on his feet became that gift, that gift of grace that brings him back to the moment. Every day that he puts clothes on his back and he remembers when he came in and all he has rags on his body and his, God, his father had given him this robe, the best robe in the house. Every time he eats a meal, he remembers how he was starving, how he was not even able to find animal food to eat for himself. And when he had come home, his father had laid out the best that they had to offer for him and to him, every time he eats a meal, it becomes a moment of grace, a moment of gift, a moment of being thrown back into that day, that moment of mercy, where everything became, everything became a gift of grace, and it reminded him of the compassion and the grace of his father. We're going to look at a passage this morning that we've, we've touched on. 
It's found in Romans 5, 1 through 2. So let's stand together. We're going we're gonna to listen to these words. It, this is a, a verse that talks about how it really challenges us with, do you realize that the only reason that you're still standing is because of the grace of God? The only reason we have anything is only by the grace of God. Romans 5, 1 through 2. It says, therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we also have obtained our introduction by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in the expectation of the glory of God. Do we realize that if we have been restored into the very life of God. We've been restored into life in God's house as part of his family, as one of his own children. Do we realize that in that, that it's only because of grace? That now everything we have is because of grace. Everything. Everything is that gift. So when you wake up in the morning and you take a breath, does it bring you back to that moment where God brought you into new life? When you, when you sit down and you, you eat a meal, when you see the beauty of creation around you, when you're, you look at the people that God surrounded you with and blessed your life with, does it just draw you back into that place where you're just you're humbled by, by the kindness, by the goodness, by the love of God that just keeps pursuing and keeps pouring on and pouring on. Because everything we have, everything we have is from his grace. Today we're gonna be talking about that everything. We're gonna be talking about that everything that is grace. Today's message is titled, Including the Kitchen Sink. (laughs) Father, thank you. Thank you that everything, everything from the most mundane, the things we don't even think about in life. Everything is a gift from your hand. Thank you. Thank you for that grace. That we live in a world, we live in a life that's just immersed in, surrounded by, filled with the abundance that you pour out. Pray that you would open our eyes. Regularly in the, in the scriptures, they're praying, God, open my eyes. Open my eyes to see the wonders that you do. Open my eyes to see the gifts that you give. Open my eyes to see the, the power and the strength and the mercy and the kindness that's always at work. Open my eyes to see how targeted we are by your compassion and your goodness. God, open my eyes. So Father, this morning, open our eyes. Open your, our eyes with, through the power of your Holy Spirit. Let us see Jesus. Let, open our ears to hear your word. Almost like it was the first time. When these things, even your word, when it becomes a grace, it, it, it does bring us back to almost like where we saw and we heard for the first time, where our, our, our hearts just responded to you for that first time. You bring us back and it's with that kind of wonder that we begin to see the world, but we begin to hear you. We begin to hear you in every moment. We begin to see your hand at work in every, every detail. 
So God, open our eyes through the power of your spirit this morning. Speak to us through your word. Change us so that we don't just hear it in this moment, but that our lives become lives of worship. Our lives become lives of wonder and of seeing what's truly there to be seen. Pray these things for your glory, Father, because that's, that's what you long for. <laughs> we pray these things in the name of your Son because that's what he came for. Pray these things in the name of your Spirit because that's what he is here for. To bring us into the fullness of your grace. In your name we pray. Amen. 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 Have a seat. <clears throat> so... I received a gift, it was years back. It was from a man I hardly even know. It was down in Monterey, Mexico. He came up and he, he, he handed me a rock. And it, it actually is one of the most meaningful gifts I've ever received in my life. It's actually not just a rock either. It's, it's actually a fossilized shell. It's probably millions of years old. When I was a little kid, I used to have a rock collection. I used to collect these things. And I would have died to have something like this. But here, this, this guy is, they're not that common. Everybody doesn't just have one kind of in their closet. He came up and he gave me this thing. And it was, it was really meaningful because I knew that he was giving something very meaningful to him. And he handed it to me. I was humbled by it. The background of it was that I was in uh, Mexico and I was leading a a mission team. We had gone down there to do, we were down there for about a week and uh, we had been doing a VBS for the kids in the neighborhood and that had been fun and um, entertaining uh, for them, I'm sure. (laughs) We had gone down and we had done some construction work uh, alongside others, you know, to help out with what was going on in the church. But we had also had the opportunity to get to know some of the people that were part of that church. And, and one of these was this man's uh, high school age daughter. And she uh, had told us, we, we came to find out that she loved music, she loved worship, and she wanted to be a worship leader. And so she would, she would just kind of hang out with us during the day. And she'd hang out, especially she loved being with us when we were gathered as a team to just pray and to worship together. And um, she, she would come up and she'd just pepper me with these questions. You know, what are these songs you're singing and where are you finding them and who's writing them? And how can I, you know, and we had kind of answer those questions as best as I could. But I would also encourage her because I knew God was stirring something up in her. He was stirring up this, this calling and this ministry and this, just this love that was in her. And so I encouraged her. I encouraged her in, in her music and I encouraged her in this idea of pursuing Jesus and pursuing worship, pursuing leading worship. At the time, um, that was something that I uh, had been doing and was doing uh, at that time. But I, I didn't realize in that moment, I didn't realize how kind of impacting these, these short conversations with her, you know, the impact that they were having. And um, I didn't realize it until we were just about to leave. And when we were about to leave, this, her, her dad comes up. And I had never met him before. But he came up, he had tears in his eyes. He told me in the best English that he could just pull up, <laughs> he told me how, how meaningful those short conversations had been to his daughter and how, how important that investment had been to him as her father, as the one who all that he wanted to see was his little girl to grow up and to keep following Jesus and to keep loving Jesus and to pursue him and to love him. And so then he gave me this rock, you know. And I looked down and I saw 
what it was and, and how precious this really was to him. It was like he gave me a part of himself. And, and every time I look at that rock, I remember him. I remember his daughter. I remember that church. I remember that trip. I remember our team. Every time I, re- I remember all that went into that because that's, that's what gifts do. And I'm brought to a place of just humility and of worship and thanks to God for the grace that he pours out in our life, but the grace that sometimes he pours out into the life of other people when we don't even know that he's doing it, right? Because that's what, that's what gifts can do. That's what gifts are there for. And they bring us to a place of just worship and thanks. You know, when we read the story of the prodigal son, you can't help but notice the tone of the son's voice at the beginning of the story as he comes up to his father and he says, Father, <laughs> give me, right? I mean, he doesn't, he's not asking. He's saying, Father, give me. Give me the share of the estate that belongs to me. You know, the father ends up, even though he does give him the gift, and even though in, in that sense, it, it really is, it is a gift, but the son doesn't see it that way. He doesn't see it as a gift. He doesn't see it as a grace, right? There's no, there's no wonder in it. There's no uh, appreciation in it. Why? Because he sees it as something that belongs to him. He sees it as something that he has earned, that he, he deserves. So he can come up to his father and he says, Father, you know what? It's time. Give me the portion that I deserve, that falls to me. So there's no thanks, there's no humility, there's, no, there's not that astonishment. But then you get to the end of that, his journey, right? And he comes back home. And, and now he comes back home with nothing, knowing that he deserves nothing, knowing that he owns nothing, knowing that he, he um, has nothing, he's worthy of nothing. But then the father gives him everything he gives him things. He gives him simple things like the shoes for his feet. He gives him extravagant things like a name and a ring and, and this, this celebration where he has the, the best meal that they have is, is laid out for him. He gives him that. And in that moment, in that moment, everything he receives, it becomes a gift. It becomes a, a grace. It's nothing that he earned. It's nothing that he owns. It's nothing that he possesses. It is just by the sheer grace, and he's overwhelmed by the grace and the kindness of his father in that moment. And what that does is it moves him, it moves him from this place where of, it was just this emptiness and this discontentment and this, this just kind of you, you can never possess enough it moves him from that to this place where he's just this place of amazement, this place of humility, this place really where he, his father says it, he becomes alive as if for the first time. The question that we have to ask ourselves, you know, is do we understand that? Do we understand that when we believe that something belongs to us, we've earned it, we own it, we possess it. It's rightfully ours by all rights. Do we, do we know that when we own it and we, we see it as something that we own and that we get to do with it as we will, as we choose, it all becomes lifeless. It becomes worthless. It becomes powerless. It becomes, it becomes powerless to give us any joy. It becomes powerless to give us any meaning. 
because it just becomes this object, this thing. And our lives, I believe, often become impoverished unnecessarily because we seek to own so many things. We seek to possess so many things. Our, our belief is that we, we, we deserve so many things. And they become impoverished because we fail to see that all that we have is actually the gift of grace. It's a gift of grace from our Father. You guys, before the Son ever left, right? When he, when he leaves and he goes with all that stuff, everything he had, even in that moment, he didn't see it as such, but everything he had, it was still a gift, right? It still came from that house. He had nothing but what came from his father. Whether he was away from the home, whether he's in the home, he had nothing. But he left, he led this, this life of poverty, this life of destruction because he believed he deserved it. He believed he had earned it. Do we understand that everything in our lives is a gift of grace not that we've earned it, not that we deserve, but because God in his grace and his love for us has given these things to us anyway. So I want you to take some time. I want you to just think about it. Think about your life. Think about the things that surround you in your life. Think about whether it's material things, whether it's people that surround you, whether it's the opportunities that have opened up or that opened up in your life, those, or the, the settings and the circumstances and the situations that you find yourself in, the beauty that is there in this world that surrounds us. Think about all those things and think about when you look at these things, think about one thing in particular, think about a set of things, but when you look at these things, do you see a gift that came from the grace and from the hand of God, or do you see an object that you own, you possess, you control, you manage? Because it's only, only gifts. Gifts bring wonder, right? Gifts bring worship. Gifts bring this, this sense of gratitude. Objects, possessions, they bring pride. They bring entitlement. They bring anxiety, right? They bring worry. This world was meant to be, it was meant to be this place that was just overflowing with gifts and with, with wonder and with just a sense of just um, thankfulness. But instead, we, too often we find that it turns into a place of, of fear and of scarcity and of, of greed and of, of just protecting and defending ourselves. And so, so the question often is, well, how do, we, how do we get from that one life to the other, right? How do, we, how do we move from where we see these things where they're, they're just these objects that we're trying to manage and we're trying to control into just this place where everything just is a gift and you can live in the grace and in the rest and in the wonder of just the love of your father. And, and you know, I was thinking about this and in my life, what's defined it is what I would call God's stories, Right? These stories where, where things become so in, in, ingrained with, they come almost like attached to this, this story about how God's story is basically, it's a story about how um, this thing uh, didn't come into your life because somehow you had worked hard enough, you had thought deep enough about it. But this thing that you can't ignore the fact that this, the only reason this thing or this person or this situation is in your life is because, because God gave it to you. There's no way to deny that God was involved in it. And there's this story that's just attached that just embeds itself in there. And everything that we have in our lives, it needs to have 
that connection to God, that God story that ties it back to him. Everything in the son's life, nothing became a gift, nothing became grace until it all tied to that moment where he stood before his father with nothing and his father still gave him everything and then everything became a gift. He hadn't seen it before, it was all true before, but in that moment, that story, it just, it, it opened it all up. And we need, we need that story. We need that story for, for everything we have. Those of you who are married, when you look at your spouse, do you see a person, this amazing person that God gave you, that God gave you as a gift to, to change and to mold you into the person that he wanted you to be? Or do you just see, do you see this person that somehow you found and you worked for and you, you chased them down and you got laid hold of them by your wit and your charm and your... Because if you see the one, they just become, if you see them as that, they're just an object. They're just this this possession that somehow you laid hold of. But as the other, they become this this amazing, this gift that draws you, not only only allows you to appreciate them, but immediately draws your attention to God, the Father who gave this person to you. What about when you sit down and you eat a meal? Just something as easy, simple as a meal. Do you see in front of you food that you worked for, that you, that you earned, that you, you know, by your own smarts and your, your own ingenuity that you got a hold of, that you were able to earn the money to buy the food? To, or do you see in this the hand of God, the same God that feeds the birds of the air, feeds the beasts of the field, that feeds the fish of the sea, and we don't even know how he does it. He doesn't ask us to know how he does it. I mean, why do we think that we're any different than that? Maybe that's why so often when we go into even something as simple as a meal, we don't even take the time to just thank God for what's in front of us. Or when we do, sometimes it becomes so lifeless because what has been emptied of is that we somehow believe that this is our food. I got it out of my refrigerator and I heated it in my microwave oven. <laughs> and I'm gonna eat my food. Instead of just seeing, oh, my father gave me this gift. I had nothing, and he gave me everything. And this is just the part of the everything that he's given me access to, right? I wouldn't know, you know, when you don't have, when you, when you see things as possessions, you never seem to have enough, Right? And the reality is, is you're always chasing more and more and more. And there are people with enormous amounts that they don't have enough still. They don't have enough. Because when you're in the Father's house and you realize that you're in, you're in a place of abundance, and we live in a place of abundance, I, I wouldn't know what to do with all that he has. I wouldn't, I mean, let's say he dumped it all in your lap. Let's say I got everything, everything there was. I, I wouldn't know what to do with that. All that I need is what I need. And God makes sure, he says, I'll, I'll give you what you need. Make sure you have what you need. Be thankful that we have a father that manages the house that we don't have to. Because everything and we everything that our lives need, every, they all need this God story that brings them back so that we realize these are just gifts of grace. You know, in the Bible, um, regularly God um, tells his people, he says, you know, he makes this huge deal about, he says, don't have idols. Don't have these idols. And we think of idols, we often think of there's these little statues or something, you know, they could be big. 
They're made out of rock usually, or they're made out of, or they're made out of uh, wood sometimes. And, and we think of them as they're, they're these statues that people bow down and they imagine there's this other person instead of God. But when God talks about idols, he's talking about anything that draws your, your worship and your gratitude away from him, anything. Whether it draws it to yourself, whether it draws it to anything that draws your eyes away from him is the source of all that you have and all that you are blessed with in your life. And so really an idol is anything that doesn't have this, anything in your life that doesn't have this story attached to it that draws you back to Jesus, draws you back to thankfulness, anything. It's an idol. It's, it's stealing worship from him. Anything that doesn't have this God story attached to it, anything that we think that we have, we have gained for ourselves, And just like with the prodigal son, we see that these are the things, when he grabs hold of these things and he, he thinks of them as his own, these are the things that lead him to leave his father. These are the things that lead us away from God. And God knows that. So he says, don't, don't have these things. Better to not have anything than to have things that lead you away from the one that provides you with all things. So we have these things and we, we believe we possess them. And these are the things though that, that we think, you know, like the son did, we think these are the things that are gonna help me make a life, right? But then we find that these things are without that, that sense of the, the, the gratitude and the gratitude that comes from, without the grace, these are just lifeless, empty things and they don't give that meaning that we're looking for. They don't give, relationships don't give the meaning that we hope that they'll have if they're not, the grace of God is not found in them. The, 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 the stuff of this world, even the, all the beauty of this world can't give, can't fill our hearts, can't fill our souls with that, that I don't know, that sense that only comes from knowing that we're loved. We're loved by God. We're loved by our Father, and He has provided these things and give us that grace. And then, just like the prodigal son, we find out that if we do believe that these things are our own, if they believe that they are possessions, we tend to misuse them, we tend to squander them, right? We tend to lose them in the end. And so, many times we'll lose. The, those people that are dearest to us because we actually, many times we'll squander kind of the opportunities that, we, that God opens up because we, we think that they're ours to manage. Sometimes we even, our own life, it just falls kind of flat because we don't realize that life itself, like the son did, even the power to run away from his father was something that came from his father's house, right? Everything, everything came from the father, meant as a gift, and it's always, it's important that we tie them back to these stories. So, so what, what do we do with that? What do we do with that? What do we, knowing that that is how important those things are, what do we do with that? Well, the first thing, we have to live our lives almost like in view of, as the son would, from the moment that he returned home, we have to live our lives in view of, under the shadow of, under the, just uh, through the lens of that moment, that moment when we came home. Without that moment when we come home, without that moment 
Everything continues to be a struggle and everything continues to be a possession. Without that moment, nothing changes to grace. But in view of that moment, everything is grace. And so when we talk about just having that moment where you come to God and you lay everything down and you say, like the prodigal did, you just say, you know, I, I have nothing. And how important that moment is. When we talk about that, that's why it's so important because it changes. It changes life from that, from that point on. It makes God's life almost like available. It's like everything's black and white and everything becomes color. What changes? That moment. He had... Like I said, he had all the blessings of God before. He had all the blessings of his father before. He was walking with the, the riches of the house. He was walking with the authority that, that would give him. He was walking in the shoes. And the, but, but everything changed in that moment. And we have, to, we have to live our lives in view of that moment. Do you remember that moment when you came to your God and you laid yourself down and you just said, God, I got nothing. I have nothing I don't deserve to be called your child. I don't deserve anything. I don't des- uh, you've seen what I've done with my life so far. And he, says, and he says, great. My son's just become alive. My daughter has just woken up. So get the robe and get the shoes. Bring him into the house. Let's have a fantastic party and let's start living life together. So the first is that. We have to make sure, man... Not just make sure that, you know, if you haven't, if you have not experienced that, that moment yet of just the realization of who you are without God and coming to God, saying, God, my life is nothing without you. My life is nothing without just really, that's what Jesus came for. That's this whole thing that we're here about. Jesus came so that we might have a relationship with him and through him with the father and that we would, might come to that moment and have everything opened up to us. Because in that moment where we realized we were... So if you, if you have not experienced that, if you have not walked in and just had that, that simple conversation with God where you just you let go of all the old kind of chasing after life on your own, on your own terms, let that go. Say, God, okay, in your house. That's where I need to be. This is the only place that I... If, if, you don't, if you haven't had that, you haven't experienced them just the way that God meets you with grace. You haven't experienced it. And in that sense, nothing can have that impact that God wants it to have. Nothing, you cannot be led to worship the way that he intends for you to because everything just, everything brings you to that moment. Like that, that rock did for me with that, that, with that mission trip that I had been on in that family. That. So first, make sure that you've had that. If you haven't had that, man, that is, that is, God is drawing you into that place where he's saying, you know what, this is what you need. You need to have that, that conversation with me. That's the place to start. Um, I just want to say too, if at any time I'm talking about that one in particular, um, if you feel like you have questions about that, you need to come and talk to me. You need to chase me down. You need to find me. You need to call me during the week. That's what I'm here for. I mean, nothing else. Everything else can go. This preaching thing's great, uh, you know, all that. But honestly, that's, that's what I'm here for because that's the only thing that matters. You need to start there. So, um, but, but given that, some of you have. Well, if you've, you've had that moment, then you need to 
constantly, we need to all be constantly taking inventory of our lives and saying, do the things that I have, do the relationships that I'm in, do the situations, the opportunities that are in front of me, do they have this God connection, this connection with that moment? Do they have a story attached to them that I cannot get away from the fact that these are gifts of God? Because if they don't, I need to sit down with God and say, God, you either need to show me the story that ties this to you, so this becomes a gift of your grace that leads me to worship and to humility and just, uh, again, just acknowledging how much you love me or I need to get rid of this thing because there are things in our lives that we try and collect that they have nothing to do with God. They have everything to do with our insecurity and our hope that we can, again, just kind of, you know, maybe uh, kind of hedge our bets with God at times, right? Do you ever find yourself doing that? You say, well, God's good, but in case he fails, you know, I have this little pocket of stuff over here I've been stashing away just in case. Those are the things that we put away and they, they don't have God's stories attached to them because they're really, just in case he lets things go, then we gotta be able to run away, right? Well, we need to go through and take an inventory and say, God, either everything has <laughs> this God story, this attachment that brings me back to that, or I need to just be rid of it because it's not drawing me towards you, it's drawing me away from you. It becomes an idol and we need to get rid of those. We, or there's sometimes that you sit down and you just haven't realized that there is a God story attached to it. In those moments, you just need God to reframe your thinking, to retell you the story, this is how this is my gift of grace. So that every moment, everything in your life, it just becomes every breath you take, every, every sight you see, every person you interact with, it just becomes this moment of, of grace that leads you, to, leads you to worship. And so finally, the third thing, is that we need to learn how to live in that kind of wonder. Live in the wonder of those who have been brought back home and welcomed in by grace into their home by their father. We, we don't deserve this. We haven't earned it. We, we just live surrounded by grace so that even the simplest things like the shoes on our feet become moments where we, moments of worship as we put our shoes on, as we breathe the breath, as we sit in our, as we sit in our, our office or in our, that place that God is, that workplace, and we just are overwhelmed by God is how he's providing for our lives or as we just are, are eating a meal or, or spending time with friends. Every moment becomes that time of, that moment of worship that drives us to worship. And everything will overwhelm us with a sense of God's presence, sense of his purpose, sense of his kindness and compassion will bring us back again to that, that, that moment as we remember that moment, we realize where it all became ours through the grace of God, the grace of our Father, the grace in which we stand, in which we stand, amen? Amen.